Welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as an ambassador for Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, where nurturing people can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on a journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Tech People. It is Ken Coyne here. This week, we have the privilege of hosting Shep Hyken, a renowned expert in the world of customer service and customer experience. His accolades include being an award-winning keynote speaker, a New York Times best-selling author, and earning a spot in the Hall of Fame of the National Speakers Association. His passion for elevating customer service is infectious, and in this episode, he shares his insights and experiences when it comes to creating unforgettable customer experiences. Get ready for a conversation on the interaction of customer service, AI, and human touch. So, let's welcome Shep. Welcome to the show, Shep. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I must say, I really enjoyed your presentation recently at the Five Nine Summit. Um, yeah, they're I, they're a I, great partner. Love working with them, and uh, they also sponsored my research this year, which is really nice. Ah, cool. So, what kind of research is that around? Well, each year we ask over a thousand consumers here in the U.S. You know what their take is. What's important on customer service and experience? What do they like? What do they don't like? How many chances they'll give a company before they leave? What their favorite communication preferences are for great service? Obviously, a phone is still the number one, but I tell you what, with what's happening Pretty today dang. in the world of AI and generative AI and chat GPT, it's, it's really amazing what's happened just in the last year. Yeah, it is incredible. Even if we had one client of ours recently, they've stopped all the phone just literally overnight. Wow. Um, you know what? And I'm not so sure that's the right thing to do right now. Okay, uh, it's a bold move. It's a bold yeah. move. There's a company here in the U.S., uh, an airline that chose to do that. And they've got a lot of pushback because, you know, it works if as long as it works. <laughs> when it doesn't yeah. work, but, you know, your, your passengers panic. They find out a flight's been canceled. They are immediately informed, which is really great. And then they're yeah. told about the options that they have for other flights. But what if those don't work? They had nowhere to call, nowhere to go. Now, the leadership of that airline said, don't worry, somebody will get back to you. But in the immediate moment is when you need the help. And the option is uh, you're at the airport, go stand in a long line somewhere. And that's not a great experience either. So, yes. but I do think it's a bold move for companies to mm. consider that. I think the best companies are going to find the blend and the balance between a digital experience and the human-to-human experience. Brilliant, because uh, at the presentation, I loved your slide, which you said you're, you're, where you said that your CX is only as good as your EX, and I can hear very much about people. Right, so the CX is the customer experience, the EX is the yeah. employee experience, and here's what happens, in my opinion, and it's through research, and you know, just as I interpret all of this information and data, and all of the books and articles and that I read and the speakers and experts that I listen to internally, if you're not taking care of your people, you cannot expect them to treat the customer any differently than you're treating them. So it just is real simple. Treat the people on the inside the way you want the customer treated on the outside. Yeah. Love it, Jeff. And so true. But listen, we're jumping ahead here. I mean, 
for the benefit of our audience, please maybe tell us a bit more about you. Sure. Well, I've been doing this for this year, and I know they <laughs> it's 40 years, so it's, the guy must be old or <laughs> started when he was eight. But no, I started right out of college, and this is my 40th year. I did my first customer service speech in 1983, and I have stayed in the lane of customer service, which morphed into experience. Gosh, I've never, never deviated from it. So this is where I put my total focus, all the effort, all the research, all the learning. Uh, Amazing. And you've clearly seen a lot of change over those years. Well, if I had the tools today that, (laughs) or actually back then, if I had the tools of what we have today, my gosh, we could be doing so much better with our customers. I mean, it's just amazing. And and of course, there was no internet when I started. There was no email. I remember, this is funny, the other night I ran into my father's former secretary, assistant, whatever you want to call her, from the 1980s. And I hadn't seen her in many years. We just connected and ran into each other. And she used to write letters to my clients for me because I was a not the greatest typist in the world. And she would charge me a dollar a letter. And I would come over at the end of the workday and say, hey, do you have time to write a few letters for me? And I would give her, you know, my handwritten notes or my, they were typed up or whatever. Again, no word processor back then. It was all type the letter, put it in an envelope, stick a stamp on it, hope they get it. Follow up a few days later. Correspondence was so different back then. That's incredible. And here we are today, and we're talking about AI and chat GDP, and it's like worlds apart. Yeah, and you know, you're in Ireland, I'm here in the U.S., and it's like we're next door to each other. Incredible. And by the way, for the benefit of the audience, Shep has a fantastic newsletter that you publish. It's a weekly, uh, Shep? I do a weekly newsletter. I write several columns weekly. My newsletter, if you subscribe to it, just go to uh, hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N, and you'll actually see a form to get my research. If you fill that form out, you'll not only get the research, you'll get my weekly newsletter, which uh, I think my favorite thing about that newsletter is, by the way, it's fun to come up with new ideas. This week was a very creative week. I have four newsletters that I wrote this week, (laughs) Uh, but I love to do the cartoons. That's my favorite part. (laughs) Write a cartoon, which is a visual depiction of what the idea is about. And we create these cartoons and, and they're just fun. I always loved art as a kid. I, I won a couple of awards, uh, with, you know, from art class. They submit them in, into national competitions and it was just fun. So listen, you're a man of many talents because I, I mean, at the five nine summit, the card trick, so to speak, that you were doing were incredible. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I've done magic all my life. I play music. <laughs> I have fun at sports. So I'm never bored. I can see that. But listen, tell us, so, I mean, I, I, it's very interesting. I thought very relevant as well at the time. I mean, in the last two weeks, you wrote one article regarding AI will not eliminate our jobs, which I think is very interesting. And two, you spoke about ChatGDP and what the heck is ChatGDP? Because I think a lot of people still don't understand and what is the benefit of it uh, well, and how can it benefit me? Well, let's hit that last one first, because that's a okay. real quick answer. Just the other day, like two weeks ago, I had a meeting with seven other entrepreneurs. And these are guys that I meet with once a month. They're like, we're each other's board of directors. And we really have an amazing relationship. And so we decided, I asked the question at the meeting prior to this, do any of you use chat GPT? And six of the eight of us, myself included, said yes. And the other two said, 
what in the heck is chat GPT? <laughs> they had no idea. They wow. said, you know, I've heard this. I have no idea what it is. And I said, oh my gosh. So the last meeting, we did a deep dive and I showed them different ways to use chat GPT. Absolutely blew everybody's mind, even the ones that were using chat GPT because they don't recognize the power of the language model, uh, the, you know, the, the where you can talk to it now, like you're talking to a person. Now, eventually we will actually talk to it. Right now we're typing into the system, but we're typing like we're real people. And when we don't understand the answer, the chat GPT or one of the other similar, like, you know, Google Bard or whatever, when yes. they respond, you can say, hey, I don't understand this. Can you please explain it to me like I'm a sixth grader? And it will explain it again, the exact same thing, a different way, hoping that you'll understand it. And I have my chat GPT set up so that it recognizes me. It calls me by name. It knows what I do, how I like to communicate. When I ask for information, I tell it ahead of time. And I've set it up in custom instructions that, hey, I want you to give it to me in bullet point form. If I ask you for three sentences, don't give me six. I'm very specific because otherwise it just does what it wants to do, <laughs> which is typical of human behavior, right? Yeah. So, and it's really fun. At the end of an answer, it says, Shep, do you understand what I just shared with you? <laughs> because it knows me. So we'll eventually be able to talk to it instead of write to it. Wow. And then tell us, so I wrote the article, AI will not eliminate jobs. What made you write this? So I did a research project with Captura recently, and they are wonderful work with. And I had some questions that I wanted to put into their survey. And I wanted to know, especially in the customer service and support world, is the use of AI eliminating jobs. And when I say AI, it's the broad range of AI. It's anything, you know, it's like anything you can predict, you can probably automate. It's what you can't predict that needs the human-to-human interaction. So I wondered how many companies uh, are using AI and eliminating jobs. I was surprised. You probably have the stats in front of you. I don't want to misquote them, but is it 9%? said they were only 9% said we're reducing jobs because of AI, just 9%. And 60 some odd percent said we are actually increasing jobs regardless of AI. How's that? That's pretty interesting. So what I see happening in the world, and then uh, by the way, when we were at the five, nine conference together, and I am so disappointed, I didn't get to meet you in person. And I'm so sorry about that. That's (laughs) totally on me. I was probably forgive you. Okay. Um, but, uh, when I was, I know that we had planned to try to get together about an hour and a half before I went on stage and, and they had me running around. Anyway, um, when, when you look at, uh, I was talking to somebody briefly and they said, you know, even with AI, average handle time for a call is going up. Explain that to me. And I go, well, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? If AI chat GPT type technologies are able to take care of the less important, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say less important, the easier tasks, the ones yeah. that don't require human interaction. For example, if I want to know, where's my order? Uh, did it ship? Uh, how much money is in my bank account? Did you receive my check? You know, those are the kinds of things that can be automated. You can talk to a computer as if you're talking to a human by typing in the question and in, in, in whatever the request is. So if those 
lower level issues are being handled by, um, you know, automation or, or AI or whatever. Doesn't it make sense that harder issues are going to be handled by people there and harder issues take longer to take care of? It's that simple. Yes. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt. AHT is going to go up average handle time on a call because of that. So I basically said, don't stress on it. It's actually a good thing. It means that whatever you're doing is working for the lower level needs that customers have. Now, I want to add that it's really important to consider training people properly. And you're going to find that there are agents in the customer support world that probably aren't capable of taking care of these higher level issues. They're really, really good. So you know what they're good at? And they supplement AI because they can actually kind of be the supervisor of whatever solution you're using, whether it be ChatGPT or one of the other. A lot of times there's companies out there now that are using ChatGPT as their platform, but specializing in areas such as customer support. So if you're on one of those platforms, somebody should probably be monitoring that and making sure that all of the issues, and, and there are certain triggers that will that AI will flag saying, obviously, we're not giving the customer the answer they want. They keep asking the same question. They're using certain words that are showing frustration, maybe even anger toward the bot. So in a sense, these agents can become chat GPT supervisors or AI wow. supervisors. So they have a great role in making sure that even the lower level issues are being handled properly by whatever digital solution you're using. Which is great because, I mean, those people are getting bored of these jobs and they find there's, there's a high turnover of people often at these companies. Right, um, right. And that's, by, by the way, that's, that's part of what is troubling in the support world is mm -hmm. many of the issues are repetitive that people do. And there's tasks and there's lots of different keystrokes and things you have to do as a customer support rep on the computer, which basically interferes with them doing what they could be doing best, which is communicating directly somehow the answer, the solution, managing a complaint that the customer has. Instead, they're busy trying to figure out, you know, how many different screens are up there because there's different programs doing different things that, and they need to access all of these at once. But automation, whether it's AI or any other type of platform, is making life easier for both agents and customers. By the way, one of the great use of AI and, and the generative AI language model type solutions is not to support the customer, but to actually support the agent because the agent needs to know sometimes or better knows how to prompt the technology to get the right answer. So if you ask a bad question, you could get a bad answer. But if you ask the question the right way, you'll get the best answer. And so you know, they call that prompt engineering is the technical word for it. Well, anybody can be a prompt engineer. As soon as you type in the question, you're you're prompting. Give me an answer to that prompt. Give me an answer to that yeah. question. So when you uh, are an expert and know what to, to ask to get the answer, then the human to human factor comes in when you take that answer that comes from the machine and talk to the customer about it and Regular words, human to human, mano a mano, so to speak, or woman a woman, or <laughs> mano a mano. I don't know how to say that and make that I get, uh, gender neutral. I get the picture. How about so, person I mean, to person? Person to person, keep it simple. 
so is that the real value in AI or do you see all the other value cases coming down in the future? Oh, there's so much. Gosh, this is just the support world. But imagine this. I love this idea of the solutions that are coming out now. When I say solutions, software companies are coming out and they're creating, they're using the technology. So let's say that I own a car. Well, let's, let me ask you this, Ken, what kind of car do you have? I have a Ford Galaxy. Great. Sorry, I had, so, my wife crashed it last week. Oh, no. Oh, oh. and by the way, is she doing okay? I meant she's to ask good, you that right you. away. No, she is. No, thank you. She's doing well. Uh, good. I, not so well. I did say I was, to her, I said, listen, if you wanted a new car, you didn't have to go that extreme. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's what she told her. I would have gotten you the new car. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you didn't have to do that. Yeah. Well, uh, thank no, you, no, no, thank goodness nobody was injured. That was great. Right. That's great. That's time. great. I know we originally were going to plan to do this last week. And at the yeah. very last moment, oh, no, my wife had a car accident. I've got to yeah. run. And I, you know, but you said she was OK. So, yeah, I'm OK if you're OK or the other way around. Yeah. So let's take that Ford Galaxy's instruction manual. Now, when okay. you get a new car, obviously, you sit down with the car dealer and they explain to you all the features. And then you get home and you say, OK. I know they told me how to use the garage door opener and program it into the car as opposed to having the separate little garage door opener. I can't figure out how to do that. So wouldn't it be cool if you just go on, uh, open up your phone, go to, you know, either an app or go to the website, you know, for Ford, choose your model, open it up and just ask it a question in natural language. How do I program my garage door opener on my car? Now, what Ford will do is they'll take that instruction manual, which is usually pretty thick. It's a couple hundred pages at least, right? And they will drop that into, you know, the software program. And the software program will be told, you are not to give an answer outside of what's in this instruction manual. So you can't look around the internet for an answer. No, you've got to use just what's in that instruction manual, ensuring that the instructions that you give a customer to do anything will always be accurate to the instruction manual. The cool thing about the way it's being done today is I can do it in my language. So if you, as I mentioned earlier, you know, if I don't understand the answer, like how do I program my garage door opener? You can say, I can't find uh, the button. Where is it? And they'll say, oh, it's, it's underneath your rear view mirror, right on the bottom of it. Okay. Explain this to me again, but this time pretend I'm a sixth grader. I don't understand it. You know, yeah. it, you're able to get these answers. And again, it is only using the data that the company puts into it. So as a professional speaker and author, imagine this. And this is what I'm working on now, which is kind of exciting. You know, I've written just in that weekly newsletter that you've mentioned. I've, I've written almost 900 articles. I have over 500 articles I've written for Forbes. I do a weekly column for them. I have hundreds of other articles that I've written. Imagine if I took all of those articles and put them into a bucket and said, a customer can ask me a customer, somebody that comes to my website, a fan, uh, a friend, a follower, whatever you want to call them, can come on and ask me a question and it'll only access the information from the articles that I've put in there. And I can specifically say, because uh, by the way, my, my life has changed over the last 40 years. And or however long I've been doing these these articles. <laughs> so let's say the article number seven had a way to handle customer complaints. But article number 747 has an updated version of that. 
I can tell it. Do not give anything. Make sure you use the latest version of this, you know, the answer to this question. Imagine if I took one of my books and I put it in and made it a, you know, put it into a bucket. Now you can ask me a question about the book. So it's like we have a book club and let's go talk to the author. And it does that. It's, it's just amazing what's out there. So in the world of customer service and the world of technical support and the world of training, you know, where, where you want to train employees on different products that are coming out, you can create these data sets, these buckets of information that somebody can go into and it will disregard any outside influence. So it gives you only the accurate information that you want that person to have. That's a brilliant chef because. I mean, there is definitely concerns out there. I was actually going to ask you that next. I mean, do you see any concerns yourself around the use of AI and ChatGDP? Well, I think the concerns we have are more out of fear than anything, which I guess is another word for concern. Are there any fears? So people are worried about their privacy. For example, if I go to put in my book into the ChatGPT format, does that now mean my book is available to everybody who can find it without having to pay for it? Maybe, maybe not. If I'm doing something using ChatGPT or any other of these types of solutions, access, you know, like for, I have a hospital visit, so I'm doing something online. Is my data protected? I don't think this is any different than five years ago, last year. And, you know, because really ChatGPT came around in November of last year. Okay. So anything prior to that was pre ChatGPT days. And we weren't worried about this new technology, but the same issues that we had prior to this are the same issues we have now. And the other, I mean, that's a fear that I think we can easily overcome. There's going to be some rules put in place. There's going to be some regulation put in place. I think that needs to be done. Let me tell you what's happening in the world today. I can create an avatar. For example, Ken, I can ask you, hey, let's shoot a short video, maybe five minutes long, seven minutes long. Now, you might already have a bunch of video of you out there, so I don't need to do that. But imagine this. I now have your voice. I have your video. And if I type in some words, I can make those words turn into your voice coming out of your mouth, matching up perfectly with your lips. So whatever I type comes out. Now, there's danger there. There's danger of my kid calling me one day saying, Dad, I need money, but I'm not at home. Can you send it over here? It's my son's voice. It sounds just like him. Maybe it's even on a video. Okay. Looks just like him, but it's not. So I think it's just, you know, it's like we're giving criminals an opportunity to add to the repertoire. So we have to create regulations and laws and things around that. But you know what? For the purpose of business, we don't need to worry about that. Let's just give our customers the best experience that they can possibly get, whether it be a digital experience or a human to human experience. Fantastic. And I think you made a great point there, Chef. I mean, these new technologies have been coming out for years and it's the same challenges each time. You'll always find people that will take advantage of this, but we always you know, find solutions for that. Yeah. You asked me earlier, you know, about the jobs and all that, you know, did video kill the radio star, which is the first song that was ever played <laughs> on MTV. And really? that was okay. one of the things. Gosh, for video, uh, video music. Well, forget about it. We don't need radio stations anymore. We're going to watch it. It didn't. This yeah. radio station, Sirius XM, all of them uh, are still out there and they're doing very, very well. When online reservations for airlines came about, this was amazing. And the airlines gave incentives 
to customers to use the online platform. Go on our website and book your airline ticket and we will give you an extra 500 points or miles, whatever they want to call that. Or we'll give you, uh, if you, you know, do it, it's $25 less than if you called and made your reservation. So there is this incentive. And once they taught the public to go there and realize that it's actually a pretty good system, that's pretty intuitive and easy to use, uh, they eventually took away the incentives because they didn't have to because uh, the tipping point was there. More customers were using this than ever before, and it was natural. That said, pick up the phone and call the reservations desk if you have a problem or the customer service agent if you have a problem. So there's still that human backup whenever needed. By the way, that's what the best companies do. They create the balance, and I mentioned this before, the balance Mm -hmm. between digital and human. It's got to be there. Today, customers still, matter of fact, I'll, uh, now I can't wait for the new research to come out next year because ChatGPT was so brand new and the experience that customers are having today is different than they did just at, at the end of November last year. So when we did our study in January, many customers had not yet experienced true ChatGPT digital technology. But let me share with you stats from the report. Again, all of this is available. If anybody wants it, no charge. Just go to hiking.com and you will be able to download the full research report. Preferred methods of communication. 81% still prefer the phone. Okay. Ironically, that was up from 71% the year before and 67% the year before that. And by the way, next technology they like to use is email, then online chat, then texting than using an app. Believe it or not, only 14% of customers say they would prefer using an app. And then social media is the lowest. But here's what's interesting. Let's just look at the telephone, for example. Who do you think likes to use the telephone? What generation? Old people. Yes. (laughs) So Gen X and boomers, okay, they are 87 and 89% preferring the phone. Yet, then it drops dramatically when you get to Gen X and I'm sorry, Gen Z and millennials. And so I can't wait to see, we're going to, we're going to ask some of the same questions, but I'm going to ask some additional questions specifically about the digital experience. But I think it's so fascinating to me that companies need to recognize this. So here's what's really cool. We have a client. The client was getting ready to invest millions of dollars into social media marketing. Okay. Okay. I'm not marketing social media customer care. And I said, why we're getting a lot of people that are going on and complaining and we want to take care of them on social media. So this is the interesting thing. Only overall 8% of customers use social media. And of those 8%, if you break it down, only 1% are baby boomers, 3% are Gen X, 14% millennials, 12% Gen Z. So Even so, it's still 8% of the total population. So I said, I'm going to ask you to, before you invest the money, I want you to take a look at why they're going to social media. Are they going there first or are they frustrated because they couldn't get their answer somewhere else and going there seeking a last resort or in some cases when they're really outwardly complaining and acting angry, are they seeking revenge on the company? (laughs) Very, very interesting. So the client calls me back probably a month, six weeks later, and they say, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe this. But, Shep, you were (laughs) right. 
many of the people on social media go there after they can't get the answer and in the other ways we offer. Incredible. Yep. You know, it's interesting because what you're saying there, because yesterday I did have a problem with a, a travel reservation for a hotel. And I did first go online to their help thing and I put in my question, my issue. I heard nothing back for a couple of hours and then there was an option for priority support. So I clicked in it with a number, called a number. And you're right, the call took quite some time to get it, but it got resolved. And that was like the next step for me was to ring someone and get through to somebody. And I knew that then they were working on it and I was happy with that. And it got resolved. Right. You know about your point about reaching out to someone directly. So I walked into a hotel one day and there was, I've never seen a line this long at a hotel for check-in. Right. It looked like, and, and so I asked somebody, I said, save my spot in line. I'm at the back of the line. <laughs> and I ran toward the front of the line. Maybe, you know, they weren't yet ready to go and get checked in. I said, how long have you been standing in this line? Frustrated. Ugh, an hour and 20 minutes. Oh my right. gosh. I don't have an hour and 20 minutes to mm -hmm. stand in line and wait. So I actually went on to the, uh, to Twitter, now X, okay. and I direct messaged. I don't like to do this in public. First of all, I will never, ever slam a company in public. You will never hear me talk badly about any company. Part of that is because I don't want a reputation as a customer service expert or experience expert to be the guy that I don't want companies worried that I'm going to slam them. Because yeah, that's not what I do. I'll always be very anonymous. Uh, like when I talk about American Airlines, I only I refer to them as AA for anonymous yeah. airlines. But actually, I love American Airlines because they're my <laughs> choice. But back to the hotel. So I went on the direct met first. You have to follow them. Then I direct message them. I am at your hotel and I'm looking at a minimum of an hour and 20, probably an hour and 30 minutes of standing in line. Please help me get checked in online. I don't have it. I'm going to have to leave. This is terrible. There's not enough people. I was very nice about it, but I was also explaining what the problem was. Direct message. The world didn't see it, just the hotel. And within okay. about 10 minutes, I received a response and they told me exactly what to do to get checked into, you know, basically bypass the line. And guess what? Every time I go back to the hotel now, I use their online automated system to get checked in and uh, there's minimal wait time when you walk over to the place if you're pre-checked in there's an area so uh, i learned that it's a shame that there wasn't somebody from the hotel out there mm -hmm. manually telling people what to do to get hey everybody pull out your phones let me tell you how to do this and uh, that yeah. that's what happened anyway the digital experience using social media brilliant great advice one last piece of advice i was going to ask you please you know, AI, obviously, clearly, it is great value to be had from this. So what would you recommend for customer service leaders looking to invest in AI? Wow. Well, right now, there are so many solutions that are, well, let's talk about what AI you're talking about. Anything that automates the process easily. I'm not talking about chat GPT that okay. makes things better. I think earlier I said what is predictable can be automated. So if you know you're going to have a lot of customers calling about the same thing over and over figure out a way to automate and digitize that simplistic, predictable issue. Next, if there's a way to incorporate the generative AI into that digital experience, that's the next level, okay? Use okay. generative AI and ChatGPT type platforms to support agents. Remember, I talked about that, where the agent can ask the right question. And then I guess finally, just like the airlines taught 
passengers to go online and book the reservations and then eventually check in within 24 hours from home on or now on your mobile device so you don't have to wait in line at the airport. Teach customers to use your digital system if it's working. By the way, find out if it's working by surveying customers. And if you're getting good response and good ratings from the digital support, then you need to teach the customers that aren't using digital support to start using digital support. So if I'm a customer service rep and uh, I'm talking to you, Ken, I would ask, hey, have you ever tried our, our digital support on our website? No. By the way, where do you think most people go to get the phone number of the company that they want to call? They go to the website. Website. Okay. There's a customer support number <laughs> yeah. there right, right next to which is be before you call us, we might be able to answer your question by simply yeah, so. typing it in to this <laughs> box and see what happens. Oh, so true. Jefferson, thank you so much for coming on. Really enjoyed the conversation. It's um, my pleasure, people, Ken. Thank you for having me. Well, my pleasure. If people would like to get in touch with you, what would, what's the best way? Just like we talked about before, go to hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N. And I'm pretty much on every social channel. Got a very robust YouTube video library. I think about 900 videos on my YouTube channel. So you can learn a lot and have fun in the whole customer service experience world just by you know connecting with me and going at it that way. The Digital Chef Experience. And on that note, amazing. Thank you so much, Chef. My pleasure. Thank you.